This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. This week on the show, we'll wrap up season four with one of the first topics that we ever covered, expressions. And we'll also take you down the old garden path. Plus one last mailbag for the season and news from around the world. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode number 22, the end of season four. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. One of the first ones, like we said, that was like one of the original topics that we had. Now we have all kinds of stuff. Because that's how we basically started joking around about totally useless information was Nick and I would always say things like, where did this saying come from? Where did that saying come from? Yeah, you know? there you go. We were yeah. grasping at straws, basically. <laughs> <laughs> grasping at straws. The etymology of this phrase comes originally from Thomas More in his work. Did you say the etymology? The etymology, the oh, origins, yeah. the origins of the word. Give Nick 10 bucks. Cha-ching! <laughs> Cha-ching. I wonder what the etymology of etymology is. Where did that come from? Uh, those are those little green pea-looking things, edadamis. I love them. Those are delicious, especially <laughs> with a little bit of garlic. Mm -mm. Thomas More in 1534 wrote about this in the Dialogue of Comfort Against Tribulation. Yeah, okay, whatever. The idiom, grasping at straws, refers to a drowning man grasping for anything, even a straw, to save his life. That's almost as bad as the graveyard shift. <laughs> oh. The graveyard shift. Yeah. You know, that's the late night shift. We spoke about bells in coffins. Do you remember we spoke about uh, the saying saved by the bell? Not the TV where, show. Yeah, not the TV yeah, show. Because, right, because years ago people died and they really, they thought they died, but they really didn't. They were kind of in a coma or something. Mm -hmm. So next thing you know, they wake up, they're inside of the coffin. They start banging like crazy. So they installed these little bells, these little strings with a little hole through it. And they wouldn't cover the grave with dirt for a couple of days so that they'd give them a chance if they were alive to ring the bell. <laughs> kind of freaky, right? Yeah. But they needed people to listen for the bell. And those people would work all night long sitting by the open graves. And it was called the graveyard shift. Listening for the bells. Listening for the bells. So saved by the bell. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? Those people who work the graveyard shift... <laughs> you know what what sound they made when they heard the bell ring screech <laughs> no, now, no. For, the, <laughs> for the past little while i don't think i ever watched that show either. neither did i but those i of, knew that yeah oh. for those of you who don't get that reference that's your problem no look it up saved no, by the bell don't, don't look it up one of the main characters <laughs> was screech so we've all been under quarantine the word quarantine now, you're oh. thinking we've heard of it ad nauseum, but where did it come from? What does it mean? The word quarantine comes from the Venetian dialect of Italian and the words quaranta giorni, which translates to 40 days. This is because when it was discovered that the ships were infested with plague-carrying rats, they were made to sit at anchor outside Venice's city walls for 40 days before coming on shore. Quarantine, quaranta giorni, 40 days. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really good. And I guess those people were caught red 
handed. <laughs> Caught red-handed. Nice. Poaching, you know, stealing something. Well, actually stealing someone's animal. That's where the saying starts to come from. The best way was to butcher it. So if you stole somebody's, um, you know, goat, you took it home quickly and you cut it up so that there was no evidence. You just put the cook the meat up, you know? Mm -hmm. So if they literally started looking for the animal very quickly, the person butchering it might have blood all over their hands, which is another saying, you've got blood on your hands. Caught red-handed, you've got blood on your hands. They both come from poaching someone else's livestock. Mm -mm. Gotcha. <laughs> How about the elephant in the room? Is an mm -hmm. American, and it doesn't mean because someone really, really fat walked in. No? No. That's terrible. So man. don't look at me that way. The I, elephant in the room. Not that, we, not that we would imply something like that. No, not at all. No. No. But the elephant in the room is talking about it. It's an American phrase with murky origins, very much like this program. Uh, the first <laughs> reference being in 1935 to mean something obvious. And in the 1950s, the elephant in the room came to mean what it means today. Something enormous that people choose to ignore because it is uncomfortable to deal with. So it had nothing to do with a fat pig standing in the corner. Not <laughs> that we would say something like that, but others might. Yeah, I'm, I, I see that the sensitivity training uh, really suited you really well. Hey, you. Well, I can bring up what other people might say, but not what I would say or you, of course. Never, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Holy mackerel, Nick. That was a, a really big, big expression that you that you just discussed and that was more than i could shake a stick at <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were going to say holy mackerel but okay go on yes more than i can no, shake a stick at. no but that's a good one uh more than i could shake a stick at farmers would shake their long staffs to their herds of sheep they'd have that big long staff and they would shake them in the direction or point them in the direction and then shake the stick so that the sheep would know which way to go. They would use that stick to direct the sheep. But if there were too many sheep, they weren't able to get the attention of the sheep by shaking the stick. And thus, they had more sheep than they could shake a stick at. That is mm. wild, yes. And of course, when, when uh, the, uh, the shepherd hit the, the sheep with the uh, stick, it was a staff meeting. Yeah, if they beat the hell out of a, a, a harmless sheep, not that we would do anything like that. Never, but no. Others might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Peta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a little schmear of hummus, delicious. Boy, I had a euro the other day on a Peta. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how about tightening your belt? Actually. <laughs> Did you? How about tightening your belt? To tighten your belt means to sacrifice or lower your standard of living because you have less money than you did before. This saying comes from the Depression era where there was little money for anything, including food. So people had to tighten their belts in order to keep their pants from falling. If you have less yeah. money, you will buy less food, eat less, lose weight, and have to tighten your belt. Right, because you couldn't afford to buy new pants. Right. So just tighten your belt instead of bitching about the pants. <laughs> right yeah you just bought the wrong size it's like when when um when someone's wife might say do i look fat in this dress no you bought the wrong size honey right and and the um famous chinese author um confucius said 
uh, man with no belt have full moon. (laughs) (laughs) An old Chinese proverb. Yeah, Chinese proverb. Not that we're discussing uh, Chinese people because we wouldn't do something like that. (laughs) No, we wouldn't. (laughs) Not at all. How's that sensitivity training going? Really good. Okay, chicken farmers. Not to imply that they're scared or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right, chicken farmers generally sold most of their chickens in the spring. But some chickens they saved and they got older and larger and would be sold in the fall and winter. Farmers would get less for them because they were big, fat, old chickens. Not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) And we would never talk about big old fat chickens. People would say, I'm not giving you the same amount of money. That's no spring chicken. Ah, no spring chicken. Lovely. I love what you did there. Excellent. Yes. Did you like that? And of course, when I said chicken farmers, I, again, did not imply that they were scared of anything. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Down the garden path with Nick and Roy. Isn't that lovely? Mm. It puts you in the... It sounds high. <laughs> uh, she did record it at the top of a mountain. You're absolutely right. Isn't marijuana legal in Canada? Nick? It has been for a few years now, yeah? Yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> Someone told me. <laughs> they spoke really slowly. The giant tomato, the world record for the heaviest tomato ever grown was 3.5 kilograms or 7 pounds, 12 ounces, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. It was grown by G. Graham of Edmond, Oklahoma in 1986. And to put this into perspective, if 7 pounds, 12 ounces sounds really familiar, that tomato weighed about the same as an average newborn child. Did you say a tomato? I said tomato. Tomato, let's go the whole thing off. <laughs> yeah. Not that I sang that like a gay man. No. There would be nothing no. wrong with that. We would never do, never do a thing like that. Never would. No. Do you hear that? It's like, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> My word. <laughs> Woo. Woo is right. <laughs> Politically correct show. Yeah. Sensitivity <laughs> training 101. Hey, you, big fat man in the back. What, what's your problem? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, like what would you do for sensitivity training instead of saying, hey, you, you big fat slob in the back there? <laughs> yes. Say like, excuse me, um, a weightly challenged person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you and gravity seem to be seem to go eye to eye. Would you mind not blocking the sun any longer? <laughs> All right, come on, you're saying, come on. The entire earth. Now you're really going down the garden path. <laughs> okay, here's mine. Point is not poinsettias, right? Because a lot of people say poinsettias. Wrong. Poinsettias. Yes. Is native to Mexico, not to the United States. It was brought to the U.S. in 1825 by the U.S. minister to Mexico. His name was Joel Poncet, and the plant was later named for him. Joel loved this plant so much. Later, the plant in the United States was named after Joel, and it became known as the poinsettia from Mr. Joel Ponset. Right. And uh, it's usually given around Christmas time, and uh, you should always keep it in the dark. Exactly. Exactly. Very much like Nick. In the dark, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> now, speaking of plants, plants really do respond to sound. Mm. In a study, con- you see how my voice went really high? I was so excited hey, about sound. it. Sound. <laughs> yeah. Roy and I have been friends since high school. Apparently, I'm still in high school. And the study <laughs> conducted by the Royal Horticultural Society, research demonstrated that plants did respond to human voices. In this study, there were 10 tomato plants, eight of which had headphones placed around their pots. Over the course of one month, the plants... Was this study done in Oklahoma? No, it wasn't. (laughs) That's why it was a big, giant tomato. The plants would be read scientific and literary texts by both male and female voices every day. By the end of the month, the results concluded that plants who were read to grew more than the plants that were not read to. Additionally, the results revealed that the plants who listened to the female voices grew one inch more than those who listened to the male voice. That's probably that maternal thing, you know? Yeah, probably. I thought you were going to say a month after the study, they had ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They They read it really fast. They had to catch up on the readings. Yeah. I I wonder what would happen if they, they, um, instead of humans talking to the plants, if they fed these plants totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Oh, my God. We'd have cherry tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) To throw at their devices. The plant would shrivel up and die, and there'd be one little cherry. There'd be one tomato the size of a raisin. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Very good. The flower of the Titan Arum, A-R-U-M, Titan Arum plant is the largest flowering plant in the world, the Titan Arum. It can reach 15 feet high. Oh. That's 15 feet. That's high. That's like past the roof line of a one-story house. Mm. The bloom produces a smell much like rotting meat. Lovely. Okay. C- can you believe this? Thus, the nickname of the plant is the corpse flower because it smells like a rotting body. They believe that part of the smell is because they are pollinated by flies in Sumatra, Africa. And the flies must sit in the dung and maybe drop off a little larvae. And so, of course, you know, maggots and stinky, disgusting smell. And, you know, so. But anyway, mm. the Titan Arum plant has a, it's the largest plant in the world and it has a flower that stinks like rotting meat. Lovely. Leave me alone. Herbs and spices from plants come from two different places. Herbs or herbs are the leaves of the plant, while spices come from the roots, bark, and seeds. Especially that any part of the plant that is not a leaf can be used for seasoning would fall into the spice category. So if it's a herb, it comes from the plant. If it's a spice, it comes from the roots, bark, or the seeds. Wow. Wow. Do you know what May 1st is in France? No. Not that I care very much because you know how I feel about the French. Oh, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with the French. We would never do a thing like that. No. Some people would find them to be horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Some, but not all. Especially the big fat man in the back of the room. (laughs) The fat slob in the corner. He's probably French. May 1st is Lafitte. Dumogant. Which Lafitte Dumogant. Translates into what in English? Um, or, or maybe Dumogol. Okay. Lafitte Dumogol. Because right. you can never trust the way French people speak. No, 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 no. 
Let's translate that to English, shall we? Okay. It's called French fries. No, it's called the Festival of the Lily. Oh, okay. The Festival of the Lily of the Valley. And the festival requires that you bring a bouquet, kind of like, I guess, we have Valentine's Day where you bring roses home. That's right. like kind of a staple thing to do on Valentine's Day. Yeah. On Lafitte du Mogot, the festival of Lily of Valley, you must bring home a bouquet of the Lily of the Valley to your loved one. Isn't that lovely? Now, mm-hmm. when you said the 1st of May, I thought you and I on occasion will have the same fact, but it's not. On the first Saturday of every May, something happens around the world. I'll explain what that is. Okay. But let me get to my gardening tip. Their bare bottom test is a method that gardeners would use to see if soil temperatures were warm enough to sow seeds. In order for you to determine the right soil temperature to sow your seeds, Hmm. you would simply pull down your pants and you would set the bare bottom on the soil. And if the soil is warm enough to sit on, it should be warm enough to plant. You would think that, you know, after a year or so of figuring out how it felt, you'd feel it with your hand and then <laughs> be able to do that in the future. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. It's the sensitivity of your bottom that determines the right temperature. If you're mm. able, if the soil is warm enough for you to sit on, it's okay. Now, for the, for the sanity of your neighbor's, it is not recommended as a common practice. Mm-hmm. By the way, most seed soil temperature should be between 15 and 20 degrees Celsius or 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which yeah. could easily be measured with a meat thermometer. A meat thermometer. I had a friend, his name was uh, Farmer Ball. <laughs> you really? call him Farmer Balls. He tried that test and had a bit of shrinkage. <laughs> yes. <What laughs> if I, you know what I mean. What I want to know is... <laughs> Where would you stick the meat? Farmer balls shrinkage. <laughs> what I want to know is where would you stick the meat thermometer to check the temperature? So World Naked Gardening Day is celebrated on the first Saturday of May. Oh, so everybody gets naked. That's right. Any excuse to get naked, right? Right, exactly. And the purpose of it is to promote harmony and peace with nature. And dirty asses. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning donkeys, of That's course. right, yes, exactly. Uh, not that I would speak of a body part like that, Never. although some would. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who okay. you ask. Strawberries mm-hmm. are the only fruit that bears its seeds on the outside of the fruit. So you mean their seeds are exposed? It, just like those women in May. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And some men. Some men. The men are usually sitting on the ground first before the women get there. (laughs) Isn't that lovely? (laughs) Well, lap dance may. But anyway, (laughs) but a strawberry, think about it. You ever look at a strawberry and all the little things on it? Yeah, and they usually get stuck in my teeth, the little buggers. Those little teeth stickers are seeds. So if you leave them there, they'll grow in your mouth. No, those things are seeds, and they're on the outside. They're the only fruit. That instead of like, you know, having to core an apple or to take the pit out of a plum, their seeds are on the outside and there's approximately 200 seeds per strawberry. I'll count them then probably in my teeth. 
<laughs> just smile. And just Nick, smile. There you go. You, you know, know, count Nick's seeds. You know how many. If I said pardon. So you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And if you'd like to send us an email, and many of you have, and we thank you for that throughout season four. This is our last episode for season four. And wait till you hear what's coming up in season five. Lots of exciting stuff. But in the meantime, go to our website and send us an email. Go to contact us. What's our website, you ask? NickandRoy.com? NickandRoy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Yeah, I went to that first Saturday thing one time and bumped into an old girlfriend. Now, literally bumped into her. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's pregnant. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, her seeds are on the inside. I got a little dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. So what's in your mailbag today? Okay, Greta. Okay, from... I, I love this one. This one's really tough. Rothenberg Uber der Taube. Okay, her name is Greta, and she's from Rothenberg. Let me say it the way I should. Rothenberg und Uber Taube und Bavaria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, Greta, I got news for you. You live in the town, Uba, Ta- Uba Tauba, mm-hmm. Bavaria, which is very, very close to where my grandmother lived in Mannheim. Ah. So you guys are pretty close to each other. She was born in Bavaria, Black Forest area and of Germany. And she, this woman Greta says, quote unquote, love your show, you man's. Just like my grandmother would have said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mans are so funny. You mans <laughs> yeah. are so funny. She probably said it like, your mans is so funny and you make me laugh. <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting that, that Greta was born very close to where my grandmother was born in Mannheim, Germany. So that's why I put it on because Greta had absolutely nothing. She said nothing other than that she loves us and we mans are right. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so Greta, Donka, Donka Shane. Donka Shane. Donka Shane. Yeah. Darling, Donka Shane. Beautiful. Well, you your dress. Yeah, Greta. Roy does what a mess. Yeah. If you're in the southwest part of Florida anytime soon, and we encourage you to go there as soon as you can, and you want to find out where Roy is performing, check out our website. It's NickAndRoy.com. And now for something completely useless. You ever noticed on the advertisements where they have watches and clocks, right? They have advertisements mm-hmm. and, okay. You notice right. what, do you know, notice what time it is on each one of those timepieces? No. 1010. What? According to the New York Times, the main reason is quite simple and obvious. It's aesthetics. There are a number of visual advantages to having the hand set at 1010. So, you know, the small hand is on the 10 and the big hand's on the 2. One is that the hands are kept from overlapping. Having them on both sides of the watch face ensures that the hands themselves are visible and can be appreciated. The 1010 position is symmetrical and the human brain tends to appreciate symmetry and orderliness. Mm, Of course, it's a V-shape, which is the feminine. Well, 
another reason is 1010 looks happy due to the fact that the hands look like a smile or a V for victory. There you go. And another reason is that the logo of the manufacturer is usually found under the 12. So logos found under the 12 are nicely framed between the 10, 10 hands. So the logos are fixed over the 12 on well, the hands are at 10 positioned at 10 and two. That's right. 10. 10. Wow. See, that is cool. Folks, write that one down. Tell your friends about that one because Nick's probably lying. No, I'm not. And <laughs> it sounds great. And, you know, and it, it really has no coincidence whatsoever that I work at a radio station right now that's 10-10. And, and look, news in New York is 10-10 too. So do you think it has something to do with the 10-10? No. Is that some sort of Masonic conspiracy we've I uncovered, no Nick? no idea. All I know that we did cover, we, we covered... We need to call We covered expressions. We covered gardening. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner Hello. and around Hello. the world, this is TUI News. A couple of items from, um, I don't know, sibling rivalry. A brotherly argument over some chicken turned violent when a Florida man allegedly threw a knife at his sibling, according what? to cops, who in say Florida they... In Florida In Florida, yep. The airport... Nick does he, this. Nick gets all these Yeah, I check. I, 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 what I do is when I search for news from around the world, I find out what, 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 what happened in Florida. Yeah. Uh, so the cops say that the airborne weapon got stuck in the victim's right leg. Mas- <laughs> Messiah Harris Smith, 19, is facing a felony aggravated battery charge in connection... What's his name? Messiah... Harris Smith. He's 19 years old. <laughs> He's got three names, but go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Hey, the Messiah came. Uh, so yeah. he was charged with felony aggravated battery charge, mm. unless it's his phone, in connection with the incident at the at the family's St. Petersburg residence. So it's in St. Petersburg, Florida. The, victim the Messiah who, lives in St. Pete? That's right. He does. <laughs> The victim who Could told you imagine me, the people during St. Peter's time yeah. probably pointed at him and said, "The Messiah lives the Messiah's in there." <laughs> hey, the Messiah came back from the store. Uh, the victim who told police he did not want his brother prosecuted will need to receive stitches. Hmm. Harris Smith, who was pleaded not guilty, was released from prison on his own recognizance. Harris Smith was arrested earlier this year for allegedly pushing and threatening to kill his mother during an argument in their home. Was it over chicken? Because this guy likes chicken. <laughs> That's right, he does. <laughs> this was over a piece of fried chicken. That's right, it was different. <laughs> Our second news item from Newsom Around the World from Florida. A Florida woman is facing a domestic battery charge. Oh, at- okay, Florida. <laughs> okay, hold on. After allegedly pelting her boyfriend in the face and chest with a plate of chicken. Yes. So let me just explain to you folks. Yes. If you come to Florida, don't mess with people's chicken. No, not at all. <laughs> Investigators charged that Jennifer Booth, 43, struck the 56-year-old victim with chicken while the couple was eating on the porch yeah. of their home. Booth's companion who cooked dinner. Usually we don't have porches. We have lanai's. But okay, ahead. on the lanai. Booth's, <laughs> Booth's companion who cooked dinner, by the way, was not injured by the poultry projectile. He that's, told, yeah, that's hard to say. That's right. He told police that Booth became violent during a verbal argument and picked up the paper plate of chicken, not even refined china. It was a paper plate of chicken and threw it in my face. 
I'm kind of like a, a breast man myself. So. <laughs> no, you're more I, like I an be, ass man. What do you think is more volatile, the pointy wing, the leg, or the breast? Maybe. But go ahead. After go ahead. the man called 911, Booth was arrested and booked at the Manatee County Jail on the misdemeanor rap mm-hmm. and was later released on $500 bond. Booth, who works at the Lakewood Hospital, has three prior arrests. Booth and the victim share a surname. So wait a second. So in 2015, he yeah. had a domestic violence charge. Was right. that also with a chicken? It, or was it, you the, know, with maybe a pork chop? The court documents were not released. <laughs> this guy's got some food problems. He does. Now, while Booth and the victim share a surname, a, a pretrial service report lists the marital status as single. Oh. While an arrest report identifies the victim as her boyfriend. Now, who wouldn't miss that catch? She was mm-hmm. single, throwing yep. chicken at people. Yeah, well, he would go to jail for an injured thigh. And he yes. was like, I don't care what happened to my girlfriend, but that chicken thigh got injured. <laughs> <laughs> and so this guy really loved the two of them, Messiah and this crazy, you know what. Yeah. This crazy son of a gun. They love their chicken here in Florida. You don't mess with chicken. No, they don't. Not in Florida. No. Well, this is it. This is the end. As we wind down season four, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening and supporting us over the past four seasons. We're already working on season five, and it's coming soon. We're all excited to tell you that we will be launching the Totally Useless Information Summer Series starting on August the 12th, and your favorite episodes will be dropping by for you to enjoy. So in the meantime, you go to nickandroy.com, www.nickandroy.com. You can listen to all the back episodes, some 70, 80 episodes. You can you can go with the progression of the show and this way you get ready for season 5 coming up. You'll be hearing us on the radio, on the Jeff Samet show. We are all over the place. This show's on fire, folks, and it's not because of us. It's because of you. And we do thank you so much for listening, and please tell a friend. Tell a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening, and see you in Season 5. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.